0: This is the Inspiration Science Podcast, your guiding podcast on evolving your own science and life to holistically strive. We believe there is no general way of living and healing, but your universal way. You succeed the highest when you do you. On this podcast, we'll dive into deep conversations on mental health and aligning purpose to business for enlightening harmony in life. I'm your host, Austin June
1: welcome everyone to the inspiration science podcast i'm so excited today to welcome a special guest on my show it's irene nakamura she is an international best-selling author a ceo and founder of the idepo reporters and as a guardian of the record and court stenographer she helps attorney clients capture their stories so they can make history in order to change their future and I'm very excited as well because I met um, Irene also in person uh, this year in New York at the Mastermind. And um, I think we have a lot in common as uh, she's very driven, passionate as well, ambitious. And um, yeah, I think in terms of also what she does with the company. So I'm very excited, Irene, that you took the time of your busy schedule to come today on the show. How are you doing?
2: I am so excited to be here and so grateful for you, Ojin, because I'm very uh, grateful that we've met and that we've connected and you offer so much to people and to even have a platform like this is amazing. Uh, I don't know how many people you've helped with with just even this podcast. So I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. Yes,
1: thank you. And. In terms of the company that yourself founded on the iDepo and also on your entrepreneurial journey, could you tell us a little bit more about on how exactly the entrepreneurial journey started for you, um, like in first place, and as well as the inspiration that you had to found iDepo?
2: I actually uh, founded my company while I was receiving cancer treatment. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was freelancing as a court reporter. However, the company that I was working for was pretty toxic. Um, I had my cancer surgery scheduled. I scheduled it before Christmas time, you know, thinking it's a little bit slow there. Um, but they had this this policy of turning in their work you know, lickety split, Um, expedited, and they didn't charge for that. And I didn't get paid for that. But I let them know, I did my due diligence, like, hey, I'm not going to be available. Um, I have, you know, surgery. So I made them aware. However, this uh, very um, demanding attorney, but he's a great attorney, but he's very uh, selective, Mm -hmm. uh, had requested my services to be his court reporter for a five-day deposition all day so that would av- all day would average about 200 to 300 pages a day okay and with a five-day turnaround i told the uh, company there's no way i'm going to get that done there's just no way i'm having surgery on friday remember so they said well you know he he really wants you to be there you know, what can you do They you really want you to be there? And I said, if I do this, just understand that I will not be able to turn in the, the final product until after the new year. Are you OK with that? And they said, absolutely. Please take the job. So I get to the job the first day and I talk to all the defense counsel. There's about 45 of them. And I spoke with each one of them and they all said, Irene, don't worry about it you know, no judges are on the bench during the Christmas holiday. Don't we don't even need the transcript till next year. So don't even kill yourself over it. I said, okay, fine. And then I talked to the client and I said, look, I have surgery on Friday. Will we be done by Thursday? He said, I will make sure we are done by Thursday. We're done by Thursday. I had so much work and I had my surgery Friday. But, you know, um, after um, I was released from the hospital, I came home to My voicemail was full, my emails, there were, I don't know how many emails I received from the company saying, where's the transcript, you're late, how come you're not returning our calls, it is unprofessional, who do you think you are, Um, you know, you don't even, you're not even grateful for the work that we give you, you are so unprofessional, Mm -hmm. and on and on with these mean messages. Oh my god i'm so sorry yeah i know and so because of that you know i felt so anxious i ended up working even though i'm supposed to be recovering from surgery and i didn't even make it to my family christmas dinner thinking i have to finish this right away so i missed the holidays and i was ill you know um recovering and so after i finished all that work I decided, you know, I'm going to open up my own business. Everyone had said, had encouraged me before, you really should do it. But, you know, I didn't really want to, you know, I just thought it'd be easier to just work for somebody else, you know. Um, But after being treated that way, during a scary time of my life, not knowing who I live, you know, uh, I decided, yeah. I'm going to open up my own. And so while I was receiving treatment for my cancer, that's when I decided to do it. Since I had some time now, that's when I began, started coming up with the company name. So IDEPO stands for Irene's Depot, Irene's Depot, that's why it's IDEPO.
1: Wow. But Irene's Depot, what does the word
2: Depot actually really mean? depo is short for depositions which is a legal proceedings you know it's a type of legal proceeding that takes place before trial
1: yes wow but that's so inspiring i mean i'm sorry to hear that you had to go through that but i think it just shows again that those dark times the lowest times that we found within the purpose and the courage you know to stand up and i think when people overcome that time they kind of know Wow, you know, I overcame that. I can now do, you know, something else that is so far beyond. But um, with all the things like being said and with iDepo, why was it for you, especially in that field that you wanted to start a business?
2: Um, In the field that I was already in?
1: Yes. Like, was there something specific since you were like younger that drove you to that specific industry that you wanted to help like attorney clients and things or, you know, like, what is right for that?
2: Well, I did start the company thinking um, I am going to treat my court reporters much, much better than what I've been treated Mm -hmm. um, for sure. And even my employees, you know, I want them to be treated well. Um, And that's what I've set out to do, you know, bring the the personal in the professional. But I actually wasn't planning on becoming a court reporter. I did not even know what a court reporter was. I thought a court reporter was, you know, when you go up to the courthouse and there's a reporter and they say, what did you think of the verdict? You know, I didn't know what it was. But um, I guess I started out. Because I grew up in a very, uh, culturally strict family where my mother, you know, very much, uh, very much, uh, carried the tradition of men or, or boys are more important than women or girls. And so I was not allowed to attend college until my brother graduated. And my brother ended up getting a double master's degree uh, at Yale University. And by the time he graduated, I would have been, I'm five years older than him. So by the time he graduated, I would have been in my late 30s. Can you imagine? Like, I don't even know if they keep test scores from high school SATs in the U.S., Uh, you know, for for 20 years. <laughs> but so that's when I decided, you know, uh, I wanted to have my my own thing. And I went and found court reporting. And lo and behold, they did not have math class. So I was like, "Yay, sign me up.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, <funny>. it <laughs>
2: was also not the best. Maths was never my thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is so not my thing. Um, so yeah, Uh, English, you know, vocabulary, that's more my thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's how I got started. Um, My mother had groomed me to become a a wife and a mother, a housewife and a mother. Nothing wrong with being a housewife and a mother. It's just that that's not what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. That's not the path I wanted to take. I wanted to become a an entrepreneur I wanted to become have a career yeah. you know yeah wow that's
1: beautiful I mean again as we also heard in the mastermind I think it always applies to this quote of when looking back the dots connect and it's every time so true so I'm glad that all the dots led to meeting us and that you're still alive healthy running your business and things You mentioned earlier something very important, the toxic work environment, as well as certain toxic people that's, you know, could stand in our way. And from your experience, how do you or what was your experience, first of all, like in your entrepreneurial journey with toxic people? Do you feel it came up a lot? And if so, how do you deal with it personally?
2: As a matter of fact, I grew up with one. Um, I didn't really realize how toxic my own mother was and, um, you know, as you know, we're going to be speaking at an event and my talks, my topic is who holds you back Mm -hmm. and reflecting on my life. When I think about who held me back, um, I, I wish I couldn't say this, but actually my mother held me back. Uh, She put me on a road that she wanted me to be on instead of what I wanted to be on. And it started out very early in my life, you know, from when I was, I don't know, five or four. You know, she even told me who I could be friends with and who I couldn't be friends with because, you know, it wouldn't wouldn't provide for a good husband. Mm Mm-hmm. I went and made friends with people that I that she did not approve, you know, um, those. So, um, yeah, (laughs) yes, I, I think, you know, the toxic
1: thing is I think it's maybe very challenging, especially when it's from the family. And I think that many people, unfortunately, they go through that when they're like the close people. So it's not like you can just eliminate them from life. And I think a lot of listeners might experience that as well in, within their family. And, you know, how did you go about it? Like knowing that kind of your mom was in that matter, like not most supportive, like in a toxic way, hard, but still it's your mom. Like, how did you go about it? Like, did you just move out and then just like not listen? Or how do you not listen
2: to that voice and still go after your dream? Well, I um, did not, Tell her that I signed up, and in, uh, enrolled into court reporting school. When I was eighteen, I decided to do that. Um, she was not happy. She wanted me to work and support the family, um, and until I can, until she finds a husband for me. Mm-hmm. She later did select a husband for me um, to marry, and I did marry him. Although he's an amazing person, he's very kind. Um, I just was never in love with him. I married him out of obligation to my mother. Okay. And as a matter of fact, even after two years of marriage, when I spoke with her and said, you know, I would really like to get a divorce. She said, oh, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. You don't get a divorce. He said, but mom, I'm not happy and um, I don't know if I'm going to make him happy if I'm not happy Um, and she said it doesn't matter if you're happy what matters is is if he's happy so you support him with everything he wants or needs so that um, he will be happy I ended up staying married for 17 years
1: wow that's a long time
2: or I got the courage to, uh, get divorced. And I, yeah, um, that was pretty tough. Um, and it is hard. It is hard to, you know, to pull away from family. If, if, if the family member is like that, especially somebody strong in your life such as a mother.
1: Wow. I mean, thank you so much for sharing this and opening up to that. Um, I think, yeah, 70 marriage, it's its a long time to be still with someone and then we still get used to that person somehow and all of that. Like, if, if it's okay to share what was for you or what gave you the courage to let go? Because I think many people, they have a hard time and letting go is often harder than adding something on or someone. So, you know, what was the thing that gave you this inner courage to do so?
2: There were two major events in my life one of the major events was my cancer treatment he accompanied me um, to three appointments and nothing else Um, he did not show up to my surgery until it was over only because he heard uh, one of our uh, prominent friends was going to be there when i woke up And he got there like five minutes before she got there, you know, um, and so that made me feel very unvalued, not worthy of him to take time off, to even take me to the hospital. Um, that was the first real where I'm, where I started to think about it. Yeah. The second event was uh, when I—I I, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back um, was when I lost my baby, and you know I had an emergency surgery, and something went wrong, and we had to do a DMC and remove the baby. And all he said to me right before the surgery, you know, knowing that there was no more heartbeat. And I was bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. Um, I could not stop bleeding. And when I was even when even when I was, you know, um, I told him I wasn't feeling well and I'm, I need to get to the hospital. But he said, you know, I'm really busy right now. And I said, okay, I will take myself. And then and then he finally just said, okay, fine, I'll take you. Right. So he took me to the hospital, and then. The, the wait was going to be like three hours or something. Mm -hmm. I had to sit in the waiting room Mm -hmm. and, um, um, he said, okay, well, since we have to wait, I'm going to go home and get your laptop so you can work while you're waiting Mm -hmm. in the meantime, when he left, um, and I'm thinking I'm bleeding and you want me to work but okay he left to get my laptop. Uh, the nurse called me in. When the nurse called me in to take my vitals, the waiting seat that I was sitting on was drenched with blood. Blood was all over my jeans. I had a trail of blood walking into the nurse's office. You know, And they just took me immediately after seeing all the, that blood. They just took my vitals and they were gonna have me wait after that, you know, but seeing that I was in, I just could not stop bleeding. They took me and he finally showed up and then they're going to give me a wheelchair. And he said, no, she doesn't need that. She can walk, Mm -hmm. you know, even though I'm like, like, I never bled so much. Okay. So, so then when I finally got a bed, and, you know, the doctor came to see me and then they told me that, you know, there was no uh, pulse anymore. The mm-hmm. baby wasn't breathing. So essentially passed away, but something was wrong because I shouldn't be bleeding this much, mm-hmm. uh, so they had to have emergency surgery. So we had the surgery at night, you know, and all he said, you know, I was very upset and he just tapped me on the wrist hand and just said it's okay and I was like it is not okay okay so um, I went into surgery they had to surgically remove the baby Uh, when the surgery was over he was there but then he said he has to go home because his phone died Want wanted to go charge it. So he went home. He was at home for, I don't know, six hours or seven hours. He had fallen asleep. And uh, the nurse came and says, where's your husband? I said, he went home to charge his phone. He probably fell asleep. And he, she's like, so you don't have him here? We're a hospital. Do you know how many different kind of phone chargers we have. You tell me what kind of phone you have. We have chargers, Mm -hmm. you know, and she felt, she felt so bad for me that she stayed with me until he finally returned. Mm
0: -hmm. After
2: that, uh, after I was released from the hospital, I was supposed to go to Palm Springs uh, to take a deposition. And he still set me on that deposition. And I had to drive out two and a half hours there after being home from the hospital for only three hours. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess while I'm driving, I'm thinking, why am I married?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, Why am I married?
2: I feel so lonely right now. I just lost my baby and I feel so lonely and he's sending me off to work. I am still bleeding. I just had surgery last night, you know, and I'm being sent off to work somewhere very far where I had to get a hotel and stay there, you know, uh, so that the next day I could work. And um, yeah, I just, you know, he never texted me or called me, are you okay? How are you feeling? you know, it just wasn't like that. So that was my last straw. I was like, that's it. You know, I think I really need to value myself mm-hmm. and that I am worthy of having a life of my own and take, make my own decisions. hmm
1: Wow. Thank you so much for, again, sharing such a story. And um, it's very sad what happens, I mean, towards your baby and the loss. But I'm glad that you could, you know, shift the perspective in a positive way and now have the courage to leave even 17 years of marriage and do all of the things. Um, You know, like internally, like for me, it's almost, you know, imaginable, since I don't have a kid by myself, but I can imagine as a mom how hard it must be. Like how you know, like how did that impact you in terms of later down the road in life? Because I know like you're very positive and now you're very successful and things, but how would you say, like what was the biggest realization and things? How do you cope with it internally and shift it in such a positive way um, towards that future now that you're living?
2: I had to realize my own worth know, that I am worthy and that I deserve a life of my choosing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I realize I want a different type of partner. I want, you know, a partner who's going to be there with me during these bad times, um, who's going to be with me during good times. Um, you know, I even took vacations without my husband I went with my girlfriends. And, um, you know, it was, it felt very empty and I, and I, I guess I just really realized Mm
0: -hmm.
2: why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Why can't I live my life for me? You know, why am I allowing toxic people to take away my happiness, you know? And that's what made me realize, you know, I need to take care of myself because nobody else will.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible! But I, I, like that that you mentioned the whole thing with the self worthiness. I think that many, many women, especially also guys, but I think we have that a thing that we always want to p- please others on a whole new level, and then like look yeah, after just- them and things. It's a, uh, you know, we can't, yes. I, think, I believe we can you know help others with all our heart but there's also like these boundaries and things but even that I, I see a lot of people they do set those boundaries but they cannot stick to them and they let loose again on those boundaries and you know what what would you say to those people um you know struggling with the self-worthiness and sticking to their boundaries like what has helped you and what would you tell them like for all the people who struggle with that
2: how do you feel? How do you feel when you're with that person, who, you know, makes you feel unworthy? Um, if, if you don't feel well, or if, if there's a person that you're thinking, Oh, gosh, I really don't want to see this person. You know, um, they're always going to say something negative, and it just zaps the energy right out of me. You know, I call those energy vampires. Um, identify them and start to just let go. Mm-hmm. If you can let go of them, um, don't, don't speak to them about personal things. If it's a, if it's a family member that you cannot divorce, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, don't speak to them about things that are close to your heart don't talk to them about some of your decisions and you know if they lay criticism on you just let it run off knowing that this is always this is all they can do this is all they can provide and you know to accept that that's how they are and not take it personal even though that part is really hard. But to just know that, you know, you're moving on and you don't really need to hear what they say, you know, mm-hmm. you don't need to listen. It can, it can just be noise in the background. Yeah. Let it just be noise in the background and you can tune them out. Um, come up with uh, some, come up with some, like, just generic things, you know. If they talk to you about um, why aren't you married yet, mm-hmm. right? You have those or, oh, you're still not dating anyone um, or or why did you put so much salt in this recipe? I told you not to do that. You know, it's those, those people, right? Yeah. That you might see at holidays or things like that. Yeah, you know, um, just say oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for that information. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that next time. Or you know, why aren't you married yet? Haven't found the right person. But thank you for, uh, thank you for com- your concern. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's
1: it's very important, you know, you just mentioned like the self-talk, how we see ourselves. And I think over the time, unfortunately, like from the moment we grow up until now, I think many people put those labels on us, those labels and like third party story on us, and then we just hear them and unconsciously believe so. And that's what, you know, forms a certain limitations or just puts us on a certain label or title on that. And I think it's so important to shake them actually off. And, you know, when you and I know you help other women in business and other people to get off their limitations so they can be, you know, their best self. From your experience, what do you feel is the most common limitations that you have seen in this space that holds most people back?
2: Limitations, did you say? Yes,
1: like in terms of like the limiting beliefs, what do you feel is like the most common you know, from your experience so far in space?
2: Fear of judgment. Um, you know, people are so afraid of what will people think of them? Mm-hmm. You know, um, even just on social media, what if I post this? I share this, Are they're gonna think that I'm bragging or what I'm doing, you know, they don't agree with it. Um, it's always about their comments about how you how you look uh how you are your success level who are you dating married to where what schools your kids go to you know what kind of house car are you in or drive you know or own or whatever you know you're always so concerned about what other people think um that i that's pretty limiting because when you feel judged you don't do the thing you always wanted to do You change and you come, you know, you stay in that mold, right? You stay there because you're so afraid, you know. Um, Sometimes you think, oh, I can't leave that man, you know, because what will people think if I divorce? So that was my mom's thing, right? No, we don't divorce. It's not about your happiness. It's about what will others think of you if you get divorced because we don't do that (laughs) in our culture. We don't do that. So uh, that is probably one of the most limiting beliefs or fears that people have. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, those people who are judging you, are they paying your bills? Are they helping you to live the best life? Are they helping you go on the most amazing vacations? Are they helping you fulfill your career? you know that your career dreams your goals are these people really cheering you on like truly happy when you succeed they're like "Yay, you did it no those aren't those people yeah that's right why, why why are you giving them power yeah Yes, it's very true. And you know, I, I
1: don't know, like with when you're like telling me these things, it does remind me on certain things that I've also experienced, like in my journey. And I think it's like, yes, there are people who are gonna judge you. And I realize it really does not matter what you do in life, how you go about things, like people always gonna comment on something. You always found those one two people in this world, whether it's online or offline, who say something and You know, and I had this actually just yesterday as well, you know, like a person as you know, like I was actually streaming live and the person said in the live chat, oh, it's a scam. Coaching is a scam. And then I told him, have you done coaching before? He said, yeah, I've done this in the past. It's all scam, scam. And then, you know, and it was interesting. And then he like and then also he said, yeah, it's easy for you if you're born rich, you know, all of these judgments and things. And I don't know like where this come from, but people just always like assume like assume thing okay she's rich and that person was easy for her. It's okay or when you share results, there are people will say wow now you're bragging, but when you don't show results you're a scam so again. (laughs) So you can do whatever you want, not show it, show it, talk about your story, not show it. If you're not saying it, you're not authentic. And if you say it, it's too much. So I just like realized at this point, it does really not matter. It's just like, it's for the impact for the people and things and I'm glad that you also, you know, you have this courage and things. Is there any limitations that you recently had and that you just break through, like something that just recently happened in terms of, you know, the potential unlock on a new level for yourself?
2: Um, Something recent. Yes, because well, I think like it's
1: always an ongoing process. So maybe if, if you only, if you have something like something that you feel that was still somehow limiting you and now you realize something and that was actually holding you back.
2: You know, I think, uh, for me is to, uh, have a voice. I, you know, was, I'm, I even chose a career court reporting is the, you know, is the, the, person sitting in the corner, typing everything that attorneys and witnesses say, and maybe a judge. Um, And so we actually are really quiet, right? We just sit in the corner. And we don't even talk. So I even chose a career where I don't have to speak. much. I speak but not that much. Um, So having a voice. And my biggest challenge is I recently um, filmed a segment on Island Life mm-hmm. TV. And I had put it off. I was offered this, this segment to do and I put it off for um, four and a half months because I was so afraid to go on to TV. Yeah. You know, so that's, but I did it last Friday, I filmed it. And you know, not perfect, but it's okay. I love it. It's my first TV segment. And you know, and I can voice and I even, you know, gave some vulnerable information doing this podcast, you know, I had is a big step for me because once again, I am voicing, you know, who I am, where I never was able to speak. before. No, you cannot do that. And I'd say, oh, okay. Instead of, yes, I can do that because I want to do that because I know I'm going to succeed at it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, now I have a different voice where I can say, I'm gonna do this so I even combated that limiting belief of no you're not gonna be good on TV no you're not gonna be great on a podcast no you're not gonna uh, look good on social media you know the things that you're posting you're whatever all that negative talk um, that was something limiting that I'm personally am overcoming and have have stepped out of my comfort zone I danced out of my comfort zone to do it
1: Yeah. Oh my God. But it's, it's, you know, I think that's really, you know, a trait that I see in entrepreneurs as well. Like they're very bold, they they have courage. And I think it does require, you know, a lot of, I always say like, a lot of balls <laughs> you need a lot of balls to be yes to get out there and it yes. so much like the tough skin in the game like you're like almost a very warrior kind of in a sense <laughs> in a battlefield but um, yeah I'm very happy you know to know that you could you know make your dreams happen and I mean again it's just the beginning and right I think in the middle of the journey there's so many things still upcoming for that and um, I think we can dive so many into, you know, other different topics. But I would, you know, to kind of wrap up our podcast, I would ask you like one last question. And it's a bit of a philosophical one. And um, the question is a two frame one. So there is actually there is a saying that says there's only one person that we need to make um, them proud of and happy. And it's not our parents. It's not our friends. But it's the two people, the six year old self and the 60 version of yourself. And the
2: six-year-old self and the six what years
1: old and the 60 years old self of you and what would you say at this point would the 60 year old tell you and what would the 60 year old at this point just tell you
2: what would the 60 year old tell me
1: yes like at this point of life um because again i, I think it's always you know these two people like it's ourself but you know, that creates a happiness that is most important. So just out of the blue, what would you say would a 60 year old tell you?
2: You are worthy. Um, Don't worry about what other people think. Find people that truly care and find your power people, you know, Um, people that give you power instead of taking taking it away from you, mm-hmm.
0: you
2: know? Um, I wish I had known this when I was younger. I tended to, to, to steer away from some people who I knew uh, if I hung out with them too much that I would not succeed. Mm-hmm. So I did have to people shed and that was hard. Mm-hmm. So, I guess you know, it, to achieve happiness, you have to be happy with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, at um, I attended one of my friends. Uh, she's a friend. Uh, she her one hundredth birthday party. She turned one hundred. And mm-hmm. I asked her, "What advice do you have?" you know, for young people. And she said, be happy. Don't worry about all these other extraneous things. Just be happy. You know, and that's coming from a lady who, who lived a century. And it's as simple as that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? I mean, yeah. So go after your dreams. Don't let these people say, "Oh, you're a scam." You know. Okay. Well, you know what? They're toxic, and you wouldn't want them as a client anyway, right? Yeah. They don't know. They don't know, right? They need to. They need to uh, try you out, right? And see for real what that you're real
1: yes absolutely yeah thank you so much Irene that's a powerful message I think to wrap this up to you know have the courage to go after it despite all the different talks and things to shake that basically really off and now when people want to connect with you where can people best reach out to you
2: uh they can connect with me on LinkedIn uh at Irene Nakamura or Instagram Irene Nakamura author um and uh, I do have Facebook as well, so they can connect with me.
1: Okay, perfect. Well, I'm going to tag your socials below. So for all the audience here listening, thank you so much for still being here, tuned in, um, sharing and, you know, listening about important topic of breaking free from our limitations. If you want to learn more about it, if you're a businesswoman and you want to strive and learn from Irene, reach out to her on Instagram, LinkedIn, on her Facebook, on her socials. And again, Irene, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And sharing your story, it's very inspiring. And again, courage for you. And I'm excited for all the further growth with that gifts and the darkness that you had in your life to shed hopefully more light to the world that many people go through.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's, it was a blast.
0: Okay beautiful souls, thank you so much for taking time out of your day life to untangle wisdom and abundance on all levels. If you feel connection to this audio experience, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Your Universal Way, and my personal Instagram, Austin June, O C I N J U N. And always remember, there is no right or wrong way, just your universal way. See you next time.